Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Jindusky. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today we hear from Donald LaCourse. He is the driving force behind Ethnic Dance Theater as co-founder, artistic director, lead dancer, choreographer, cultural researcher, and even costumer. (laughs) Hello, Don. Hello. It's so nice to have you here today. Um, I love the introduction of you so much, Donald, as everything I absolutely know about you is all ethnic dance theater. So I'm really like looking forward to hearing more of the story uh, behind, behind your history and dance. Cool. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> well, so according to your bio, you really started folk dancing at age four, which is just incredible to me and makes me wonder, was that part of family tradition or, or somehow you saw it and you were like, I want to do that? Um, both. Um, so the long story or the story is you know, my parents after, you know, when my dad came back from World War II and there was a bunch of people that used to hang around out together going polka dancing a good five nights a week. They would follow the Six Fat Dutchman and Whoopi John's orchestra. And there was about 20 of them that would go out dancing together constantly. And that's how my parents met. And they were still doing that. But um, my dad worked for the Veterans Administration. And one of his co-workers was Romanian in St. Paul. And there was a little Romanian church just on, off Rice Street in St. Paul. And she invited my dad and mom to go to some Romanian dinner where there was dancing. And my father said, oh, this is really cool. I'd like to do this. And so my parents signed up for a folk dance class at the International Institute of Minnesota and did that. And after they finished that, they were invited to join this club that did international dance, but primarily did German folk dancing. And so it was Thursday nights and they had three kids at that point and that wasn't, there wasn't a lot of money for babysitting. So we would go along with them. And so I just grew up with this and there's film at my fourth birthday party with me directing my two younger siblings and some family friends in some dance that I made up to some record that I had that I liked. I don't remember that part, but I, but I remember making up this dance and obviously there's the video or, you know, film of it. So I just got really, really into it. Uh, When I was about seven, they took me to see a company called the Duquesne University Tamboritsons, which specialized in music and dance of Eastern Europe. And I went, I want to do that when I grow up. And so, and I didn't get into the Tamboritsons, but obviously I did get into doing it. So, yeah, I love it that you're, I mean, it's such a rarity. I feel um, that family, like I, that it's part of the tradition or, you know, that your family was doing it and you, you just fell in love with it. I love that story that you had that kind of, and that your father was like, Hey, let's do this dancing like yeah. that. You know, that too is yeah. such a rarity. And now my, you know, my great nieces 
and no great nephews, but great nieces. So we have the fourth generation of, of the family now is dancing in the German dance community. And just about everybody in my family has been involved in ethnic dance theater in some way, either as a performer, a musician, board member. So cool. Yeah. So, so tell me about your training because you really did uh, dive in and really go deep into it. Can you share what the training looked like for? Uh, well, for it doesn't look like a whole lot compared to. <laughs> uh, I didn't really do formal dance training until I was out of high school. I started my senior year of high school. Uh, so growing up, it was attending folk dance workshops with with different teachers that came through town. And there were two who were Twin Cities natives who became very, very instrumental in inspiring me. Uh, uh, one actually went to high school with my mother and the other guy was from Bloomington and they both specialized in Balkan dance. Dick Crum uh, was the choreographer for the Tamboritsons in Pittsburgh. And so I'd known him since I was born. Um, as I said, is my mom went to high school with him. And the other one was named Dennis Boxell, and he was the founder of the Colorado Folk Ensemble in Seattle, which I ended up dancing in back in 1973, I believe. Uh, yeah, 73. Um, and so, but they were both Twin Cities natives, and so they would come back to town regularly to visit family, and my folks were friends with both of them, and so they were very instrumental in my early development. But um, as far as formal dance training, it didn't really, like I say, it started about in my senior year of high school, the St. Paul Public Schools finally started a performing arts program and my, my final semester. And it was, they had a dance class just for boys. And my counselor thought I would be you know, that, that would be something I wanted to do because I was known as the dancer in school. And, yeah. Um, and so I took my first dance class and the gentleman, Skip Nelson, taught it. It was a modern ba based uh, mm. style. And he was choreographing a show at Chimera Theater that summer. And he asked if I would dance in it. And then I discovered the theater as well. I'd been doing musicals in, in high school, but getting out into the community is at a, at a broader thing. So I started dancing in shows at Chimera Theater and other community theaters at that point. And that's, then I started taking jazz and tap from Zoe Seeley and um, oh. didn't have much ballet. And then we'll, at any rate, at some point, um, I decided it, I was doing this musical theater stuff, but uh, a friend came back from having gone to Seattle and well, well, Dennis came back from Seattle and tried to get me to move to Seattle to be in the company out there. And I wasn't willing to do it, but I had met uh, Jonathan Fry, who was EDT's co-founder. And he and I had a little flirtation and we wrote back and forth. And he was dancing out there, and I ended up moving to Seattle to be in the company. So that's so I moved out there, and then got to do had this very intense experience in a very short amount of time. I was only there a year, so before we came okay. to the cities. 
And that was a performing kind of concert stage yeah. performances yeah. of the Okay. Yeah, and Mark Morris danced in the company with us. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which is just amazing, yeah. I think, to before his uh, catapult yeah. into... Uh, yeah. I was 19, he was 17, and yeah, we were just kids. Wow, wow. And so the training, it seems to me, also early on was really in social setting. Is, would that be accurate? That yeah, it was like, okay. Absolutely. Okay. How fun is that? I feel like that that's such a, again, another unique, but that's what really the uh, different styles of dance are for ethnic dance theater is, is like the social community kind of traditional uh dances of the community right yes, yes yeah just taking it to a, a different level instead of just being the dancing in a circle for the fun of it with your neighbors making it into a theatrical presentation so yeah okay and so you you co-founded it with uh jonathan fry uh ethnic dance theater in 1974 yeah which like wow over 50 year history here almost yeah yeah um yeah 48 how is it yeah so how is it you how did that come about for you at that time uh in the community here well it was very strange we were it, it truly was like a mickey rooney judy garland sort of you know <laughs> backyard musical show we were dancing in in Colada, in Seattle, and things were not going well there. Um, and we were both from the Twin Cities and said, you know, let's start our own company. At, I was 20, he was 22. And we came home and there was a nucleus of dancers who did Balkan folk dance at the University of Minnesota. And we just kind of put up notice that we were going to start this dance company and we were going to start training sessions on Wednesday nights at the Pop Inn, which was at Kaufman Union at that time. Hmm. And people showed up in January of 1974. And we actually did our first concert at McAllister College in May of 1974. I mean, it was just like, truly, hey, kids, we're putting on a show. Do you want to be part of it? And people did. And somehow <laughs> we managed to, you know, we didn't know anything, but... <laughs> so yeah i love that there's almost a, a beautiful naivete right of yeah, just like yeah. hey we're gonna do this yeah. i mean we <laughs> were it's like one, of, one of the earliest one of the founding dancers was marge maddox who as you i know, wondered about that okay yeah, yeah so she was at that point she was teaching modern dance in mccallister and so we ended up rehearsing mccallister and that's how we did the first concert there as well and so Marge was another mentor, even though we were the directors, she was the one that was in, that helped, you know, she would work with the lighting people and, and all those things because she had more experience with all of that in, in the initial days. So, yeah. Incredible. And so what is ethnic dance theater? Can you give me the little sure. kind of, yeah. Well, ethnic dance theater is a, company dedicated to preserving the traditions of ethnic music and dance and recreating them in a stage setting so we when we do concert work it's all to live music we work with singers 
the dancers have to sing. Uh, we, it's all in traditional costumes of the different cultures represented. And over the years, we've done music and dance from over 50 different cultures in our history. Did I make that make sense? 50 different cultures over the, the last 48 years, yeah. Yeah. And so is it is it centralized to a specific region or was it really open to all different types of of dance? Well, our, our you know, our main thrust has always been Eastern European. However, we one of the reasons why we chose the name Ethnic Dance Theater is that we didn't want it to be limited to any one specific part of the world. And so we've done uh, North African, like from Tunisia and Egypt. We've done Central Asian from Uzbekistan. We've done Chinese. We've done Mongolian. We've done Central American. But the the, the backbone and heart of the, of the organization is definitely the Balkans and Eastern Europe. And so we always come back to that. And that's probably what we're best known for. But I like being able to explore some of these other places as well. I mean, we've done Tibetan and Indian and Pakistani as well. So, hmm. Can you give me kind of a, a description of similarities and, and or slight differences or completely different, uh, like Balkan to maybe an Eastern European style yeah. of, of yeah. dance? Well, it, it's kind of, it's very interesting. There's kind of a dividing line, you know, the older layers of style of dance. I mean, most people used to dance holding hands in a circle. And then at some point in Western European history, they started dancing with partners. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can kind of see the, the line that was held between Western and, and Eastern between the remnants of, you know, the, the old Austro-Hungarian Empire and the Ottoman Empire. Suddenly, you, you, when you cross into the Ottoman Empire, they were really held, the development of dance did not happen and this did not keep on progressing. The, the circle dances stayed and hmm. partner dancing didn't. So in Hungary, you have partner dancing. Romania, you have partner dancing and circle dances. In Macedonia and Bulgaria, it's all circle dances, um, Poland, it's partner dances, Ukraine, it's mm. kind of a mix. So it, it, it really, it, it can change a lot. I mean, what, what, how, you know, European dance masters that went from town to town, you, you find a lot of social dance things that you find variations of the same dance all over Europe. And it was because these French dance masters taught classes everywhere. Because it was, it started with you know the landed gentry and then filtered down to the peasantry. Huh. And are are there similarities of like the the lineage from one to another, kind of with those different? Um, I, I don't know if I'm being, being clear with the question, but but I would imagine that there there's some crossover in in like you know, a hit of the heel to the ground or like rhythmic or, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. There, the, obviously there's a lot of percussive work that happens in almost any ethnic dance, except for perhaps more Northern European. They're not, they're, those are more about the shottish and the waltz and the polka and not so much about 
um, stamping feet or things like that, uh, or clapping the, the hands and the body. Um, you find that pretty much everywhere, but that's, and especially with male dancing, you, you see lots of showing off with clapping and, and squats and rhythmic sorts of things like that, the further south and east you go. Um, so I would say, yeah, there are, there are certain techniques that definitely cross over, but then you get to other places. Well, even, and, and it's not like that at all, where, you know, you know Indian technique, for instance, is very different than European dance technique. Mm -hmm. for, um, so yeah. I'm not making that. Well, I feel like there, this could be a huge history lesson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> specific to that. And I know that you, you do a lot of research in preparing for learning the different styles and getting to travel to engage with those cultures and just to, to even learn what you're choreographing the steps and getting costumes and things like that. Yeah. How does that, what does that look like? Oh gosh. Um, so for many, many years, I would spend a good six weeks each summer traveling to a couple of different cultures and attend festivals and whenever possible dance seminars if they existed um, to learn specific regional pieces. Uh, so I would try to immerse myself in whatever culture I was interested in pursuing at that time. So, you know, I'd, I'd spend, it's, it's a, obviously still just a surface uh, reading of all of that, but reading, you know, collecting costume books, theory on uh, descriptions of dances, <clears throat> but particularly going to the museums, really studying the, the fabrics, the, the the holidays, when they wore certain things, and attending performances of both village groups doing the unvarnished dances, as well as the the ensembles that presented things in a, in a stage manner. So, so you could see how they would, how those cultures would take their natural movement and how did they, the, you know, theatricalize it. Um, and just reading, reading, reading. And now I watched YouTube videos, <laughs> yeah. rabbit holes and come out hours later you know, like just, you know, one particular region, I want to just watch Hota from Northern Spain and, and can just spend the day doing that or, or week sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting as well, because you were also like kind of returning to things that you were learning when you were that four or seven years old and how long you've done it, like how much, uh, maybe returning to that specific style, how, how much has like evolved or changed from what you remember oh, being younger? You know, yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure there's, yeah. Uh, I would say that, you know, obviously my childhood memories of things are the things that I liked back then, I wouldn't think were so great now. Hmm. Uh, I think my, you know, my taste has, matured and developed and with the, the thing with with ethnic dance and putting it on stage i mean there's such a you walk such a tightrope of 
when is it too much theatricalization? You know, when when do you lose the smell of the earth and the feeling? Um, it's so hard to do and maintain, and so and every culture where there, there's no hard and fast line where that is. Some things like you know having ballet polish veneer on things works really well and other things it's it just totally ruins the dance so it, it's 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 always a juggle with 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 that how how much you can do and like i say the, the line is never hard and fast yeah i guess with as it because it is a social kind of form usually that makes sense that it's like yeah. you have to have the specifics but it's also like how are you expressing that yeah. specific, which I, I find interesting for like how to get dancers to embody the, like you were so beautifully that, you know, the earth and, and that sensation of what it really came from rather than like, these are the moves. Yeah. Like how, how does that. Well, it is really hard too transmit that to people who have not had those experiences. And I always have found when my dancers have gone off and done, gone to some of these places on their own, it's so broadened their horizons and suddenly things that did not make sense to them before suddenly it's like, Oh, so, you know, just like eating the foods, being in the, you know, smelling the, the, you know, the produce at the yeah. market, uh, all of those things really, I always talk about make, you know, making contact with the sacred soil of whatever hmm. place. Um, and it's a challenge. I, I can't say that I'm by any means perfect at transmitting all of those things. And, and obviously I can't know about all of them. And so, I mean, in addition to me, I mean, I bring in lots and lots over the years, we've had lots of guest choreographers, who are from a specific culture and I depend upon them to give us a real sense of what it is that they feel is the absolute essence of their culture. And so that we're not, I, I, hopefully we, people are not feeling like we're doing cultural appropriation. I, I feel like we're trying to yeah, be much yeah. more respectful of cultures than that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I also feel like the time frame of even when those dances were you know being done in a community at a certain time frame as well like there's like the history yeah. yeah so interesting i mean so, there are places where it's still alive but it's it maybe not in the same quite the same manner i mean you go to transylvania which you know like hungarian villages in transylvania which is today in romania you still find the the real social dances and uh, ethnologists are still going and videoing old people doing the dances and then transmitting that into uh, stage work. It's it's quite amazing. Like the Hungarian state ensemble, they'll show a couple of you know tradition bearers, as they call it, you know, from a specific village, mm -hmm. and then two of their dancers reproducing movement for movement exactly the combinations and, and everything that was and then that's how they create the stage piece so i take great inspiration from that whenever possible yeah yeah 
And it is so true. It's like holding on to that, continuing those traditions forward or having a, uh, archive of it <laughs> to, to yeah. be able to continue to share yeah. and yeah. give, give knowledge to the history and yeah. So cool. Um, so ethnic dance theater also got to tour quite a lot. Uh, not so much anymore, all, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many things have shifted, yeah. but yeah. you know, the, I know that you traveled regionally, nationally and internationally, uh, which I know just, having my own company, just the amount of planning and, you know, making things happen in that way is so, so challenging and exciting to make it happen. But can you, uh, what goes into touring for EDT in that way? Oh I also God. think of the costumes that you're having to travel with those costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, for instance, when we used to do the regional, and well, I would never say that we did national. We did, you know, we went as far east as eastern Ohio and as far south as Missouri, and but the whole upper Midwest we we used to do pretty regularly. And mm -hmm. so I would cut it down. We would have twelve dancers, six musicians, four singers, a lighting designer, and a sound person. So twenty four would. Mm. I would have to charter a bus and try to make hotel reservations because we had a we had a booking agent at that time, and so of course the booking agent gets their twenty percent off the top when the, when the uh, the presenter signs the contract, and then I had to make everything work on what was left. <laughs> that was always uh, yeah, uh, you know, paying the dancers, paying for the transportation, doing per diems, hotel, all that. It was. It wasn't easy, and, and of course, back when I was doing that primarily, we, there was no internet, so it was like making phone calls and yeah. trying to find things. So, um, but we haven't done that, unfortunately, in a long time. Most of the dancers that I have now, none of them have experienced sleeping on the bus and uh, doing, you know, multiple performances in a weekend and coming home and, and getting back to regular life. As far as like the hardest stuff was the the European tours because then the the festivals that we were going to wanted us to present American material and huh. you know trying to figure out what that should be and it wasn't particularly my greatest interest and so finding things that I felt comfortable with, with doing and that I felt would show us to our best advantage. And then we would always bring, of course, international things too, if we could. I mean, especially whatever country we were going to, we would try to make sure we had something from that, that culture as part of our, our shows. Um, huh. But it ended up being a lot of fun. We did develop some pieces that, well, I mean, the first piece, and, we, and it's still, pops up in our repertoire. I did an Appalachian clogging suite and, you know, ethnic dance theaters done it. I, I, there's a, uh, the po local Polish group here in the Twin Cities has taken it to Poland three times. Uh, there's a uh -huh. Croatian group in, in uh, Anacortes, Washington, that's taken it to Croatia a couple of times. So I've done things like that, but we, we did country western two-step. We did a uh -huh. 19, 1930s Lindy Hop and Big Apple. We've done, um, Tex-Mex dances. 
We did a, Marge and I put together a Scandinavian American suite that had elements of modern dance to, to help do the narrative and then the traditional dances. So it was fun putting those things together, but it, it wasn't, it, it's never been what I wanted to, to uh, focus on. So we, we haven't done it for a while. Yeah. Well, and, and just to be traveling, I mean, was it 24 people that were going internationally as well? One time we went with 40. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That, that I would, after that one, I would never do it again though with that many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I imagine the fundraising alone to make that yeah, that happen. Was, is- well, you know, we did, we did get some grant money from, there was, I can't remember the program. I don't think it exists anymore. We did get money. And basically that paid for the musicians to go because we had to have live music. Actually, mm. the dancers all paid to go themselves. Every We raised, you know, everybody bought their own plane tickets. And because the, the festivals housed and fed you and transported you around once you got there. But mm. that was... That's changed now too. Now you now you pay to participate in those festivals, you know, for it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Presenting of of dance and performances around the world has certainly evolved or shifted uh, in a very different way. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a, a specific highlight or you know, either performance or tour experience that really stands out to you? Oh, there were a few. Um, We were doing, we were in Bulgaria. This was for our first international tour in 1995. And we were backstage and we were also, I mean, lots of different companies performed on on this bill as well, and we were getting mm. into our set of Bulgarian costumes. We were going to do a specific region, and a dancer from one of the Bulgarian ensembles. I said, "Oh, I bet you're going to do such and such song," and I said, "Actually, yes, we are," and they couldn't believe it. And then they were all watching. And the audience went crazy because it was Americans doing this and there weren't any Bulgarians in the group. And yeah, the, the reaction of, of the the audience when we actually did their material, that was always just like so exciting, you know, goosebump raising and it was ah. really satisfying. So was it was it about that it, it was showing appreciation for the form? Yeah. That and the you fact think? that we actually did know it and we did it well. It wasn't just that we were, you know, so many times I've seen, you know, groups from other countries come here and sing Oh Susanna or do something. The only one that ever did it successfully was Moiseev came and did a uh, uh, Virginia Reel thing and it was fantastic and created, you know, a craze with audiences in America during the Cold War. Um it was just, it was just not nice knowing that they saw how much we appreciated and respected their culture. That we did it at the level that we did. Mm, nice, yeah. You you really 
took it incredibly serious and, and yeah. dedicated. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, they would ask, like, where did you have these costumes made? Which which collective, you know, factory ensemble costumes are made by different collectives over there? And and then we'd say, oh, we made these. Wow. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Did you want to share an another? You said you had a, a few. Uh, well, it was uh, there was another time um, we were in the Czech Republic, and I had chosen a song for one of our singers to do, and it was like one of those moments where everybody, you know, now everybody turns on their cell phone flashlight, but it, you know the lighters went on. There was an absolute. The, the audience went absolutely silent. And then it was, you know, you could hear people crying and, and out, oh. and, you know, with her rendition of this folk song. And it was, that, that was, again, a really amazing experience. And I was thrilled for her as well that, you know, that she helped create such a amazing emotional moment in, for uh, a, an audience like that. Yeah. It's so it's so telling to have that impact that 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 can happen. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of um, interested. I know that you know in the years of COVID now, um, how has has ethnic dance theater continued to meet and and things or how how has that shifted for you in this time? Yeah. yeah. Um, we are meeting. I mean, initially we, you know, took that first six months of COVID. We did not meet at all. And then we started meeting outdoors. We, we, we used to go down to, I bought a, uh, a karaoke machine that ran on batteries so that we could, you know, something <laughs> would be loud. And we would go down to Hidden Falls Park in St. Paul and danced on the grass outside and started working that way. Uh, and then, since then, we've been rehearsing in the studio since last fall with masks the entire time. Mm -hmm. so, and, yeah. you know, it's challenging, but we're doing it. I mean, it's like, okay, like, well, with any form of dance, I mean, you're, you're going to be touching people and you're breathing hard. So Yeah, yeah. And so are you preparing for a performance or is it continuing just to, well, to meet yeah. as a community? Uh, this coming weekend, we were supposed to be doing a live performance at uh, Landmark Center. Uh, it's, we were going to be doing a festival of the cultures of the Black Sea. And when Omicron, when we came back after after the holidays with Omicron, it was just I had people missing constantly for, you know, either they were exposed or had, you know, they were isolated just yeah. that region and so we said okay this we, we we can't do this so we're we're going to be doing some videoing of the pieces in fact starting next week we hope and then try to have it ready to go as a virtual event at the um end of march so we're still working yeah it's been difficult at best yeah and so so edt so let's say COVID's gone, <laughs> fingers, you know, dreamland a little bit. But so do you have plans in the future then? Do you normally perform once or twice a year or 
is it like different festivals like that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's really changed. I mean, we used to do a fall and a spring season, and then it's just the funding just has not been there for us over the last couple of years. So you usually do just once a year, and I'm I'm still debating upon. You know, we've been considering bringing back our Nutcracker, but do I oh. want to go up against all the other Nutcrackers that are out there? Um, yeah. Um, it was actually, it's actually a fun production, but I, um, it'll either be in the fall or next spring at this point. We, it'll just be dependent on if we can get a MREC grant to help underwrite it. And otherwise we do a lot of festival appearances and, and creating events ourselves. But the, yeah, the full concert is going to have been, yeah, we haven't done a full concert since 2019. So that's yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely changed the climate in so many different ways and, oh gosh, and yes. with funding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like ethnic dance, dance theater really, you know, sheds light on that community aspect and the cultural heritage is in, in such a, a fascinating way, like really that social... <laughs> Uh, component in such a great way and the work you've done I can't believe almost 50 years and just and all I, that you like I didn't <laughs> I mean I was I didn't know what you know it was like I knew that from the time I was around 16 that I wanted to do it but the fact that I that we actually did it and it's still here surprises yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> well it's incredible and to have that you know I don't know if I'm going to say the right word, uh, veracity, 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 yeah, veracity. <laughs> of, okay. yeah. of, of you just like carrying the torch, you know, for this, this long. And, you know, that is, that is dedication and really something to be applauded. So thank, thank you for that. Thank you. I mean, I, I yeah. think all of us in, in the more fringe aspects of the dance community, cause I, you know, those of us, especially in the, the traditional ethnic forms where it, it's, it is a bit more of a struggle for us to, to get that kind of acceptance for what it is we do. But I think the fact that I, that we have been around for this long has engendered and generated a respect that it, that it is an art form and, and something that's, that's valuable to the community as well. So. Yeah. Continuing that forward and, those uh, social dances again, sharing just a little bit of that past history and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Don, for your time today and for sharing this little glimpse <laughs> into uh, your history and ethnic dance theater. Uh, and again, yeah, what an accomplishment! So there has to be a fifty-year party at some point. Well, we're I'm going sure. to, yeah, we're planning on that. That will be a, a biggie. Uh, yeah we'll be here still so (laughs) (laughs) great great well thanks again don thank you so much it was fun and thank you for joining us next week we do a re-air of kevin jones from season four episode 48